0: There is absolutely no doubt about it that if you want to manage your weight correctly, you got to ditch the motherfucking carbs. Like there's really no question about it. Doing a ketogenic or a modified high protein ketogenic diet, which is very high in fats, very high in fiber, very low in carbohydrate, that is going to yield absolutely the best results. Not only is it going to make you look better though, it's going to make you feel better. It's going to support your brain. It's going to support... Your cognition it's going to support long-term metabolic health it's going to prevent you from having that ping pong up and down that i talk about in my book own the day own your life and the only challenge with it is that pretty much everything that you might want to eat particularly for lunch or breakfast it always has some kind of bread or some kind of pasta or some kind of carrier for the meat and for the fats like avocado toast like the toast is like a cool part of the avocado toast And I get it, and sometimes I'll just fucking eat the avocado toast because you know it's kind of worth it because it's so delicious. But really, if you're trying to reach your goals, you're gonna wanna stay more keto throughout the day and maybe add in that piece of sourdough toast or that piece of sprouted grain toast at night when you're ready to get a little bit more sleepy and you don't care about the cognitive performance and it's after your workout and you can replenish those glycogen levels. So we decided to make it easy. We came out with Brendan Schaub with the Onnit Keto Box. And this is all the dopest snacks that you can explore and discover. Now, the snacks are great. It's one box. It's not going to last you a month. Some of the stuff will because there's a full-size Onnit product and there's going to be some full-size things in there as well that will last you a long time. But the beauty of the box is that it exposes you to all different types of keto-friendly snacks and products. So it doesn't feel like you have nothing to eat. You know, you'll get these things and then you can reorder them on Amazon or reorder them on Thrive Market. And eventually you'll have this whole slew of keto friendly products, stuff that you didn't even think that you'd ever be able to get away with eating again. Now they're making in keto form and it's badass. So I really encourage you guys to check it out. Go to on ketobox slash keto box and check it out. It's one of the coolest subscription boxes I've seen. Maybe that's because I love delicious, high protein, fatty snacks and I personally hand selected all of the snacks with myself and Brendan and the Onnit team. So I promise you, everything in this box is delicious. If it wasn't, it got the boot. So check it out onnit.com slash keto box, K E T O B O X. Zach Leary is the son of psychedelic godfather Timothy Leary. He's also the host of two podcasts, including the Maps podcast. And following in his father's tradition, he's a thought leader, a philosopher, and an inspiring dude all around i hope you enjoy me dropping in with him out here in venice california make sure to let me know what you think
1: zach aubrey what's up what's going on man thanks for having me good to see you pleasure to have you thanks yeah this is
0: good very cool so i got to start off with this question yeah what's it like growing up
1: with a big last name (laughs) well i mean it's ebbed and flowed over the years you know i mean as i get older i i I, I think i settled into it more you know when i was younger um especially as a young adult when my dad was still around it was all i knew in the sense that like that was my identity you know i didn't mm-hmm. really have my own identity you know everything i knew you were was,
0: timothy leary's son
1: yeah and when, when he was around just like you know my friends were automatic you know girlfriends were automatic work was automatic it just came with the bubble you know, so I didn't really know about the real world until he died, and then when he died, it's sort of like everything kind of evaporated with that. It's like the phone didn't keep ringing, sort of mm-hmm. thing. And you know, that that's a strange phenomenon for sure. And at the beginning, you know, in my mid twenties, that was uh, it's difficult to sort of navigate my own way through life and find. And how old my were you identity. when your dad died? I was twenty two. Twenty two. Yeah. <laughs> And from so from twenty-two to about twenty-five was really rough, really mm-hmm. dark and lost and confused. But uh yeah, and once I sort of found out who I was, you right. know, then having the big last name was uh something I embraced a lot more, you know. It's something that uh I feel it's a compliment or something I'm proud of, but I don't I try not to let it define me. Sure. You know, so yeah, I mean, yeah, there's... I think that's probably the right
0: attitude towards it, right? Like yeah. embrace it, you know, have love for what is, yes, and not try to go the other direction, just to be different, you know, and, and fight I, against it as resistance.
1: I did try that for, yeah, a while. yeah, <laughs> right. Know, that's I did.
0: probably a natural tendency, yeah, to rebel
1: I, against it, right? I, I had a like a corporate America life for a minute, <laughs> you know, kind of wearing uh-huh. khakis and you know button-down shirts to the office every day, and uh, was far far away from any smell of the psychedelic community you know i just really you know for that reason it was just something i needed just to kind of get away from and sort of find my own path but that wasn't my path as <laughs> I found yeah, anyway right, right. it was an interesting experience well now you know now.
0: though now i know <laughs> that's always good now i know so give us give us some insight on you know your perspective obviously this is someone that a lot of people know some things in some cases a lot of things about What's your perspective, you know,
1: from the inside, really knowing him on an intimate level, for with Timothy himself? Yeah. yeah well, and it's actually a good time to kind of ask me that question because, uh, for the first time ever, I'm in the middle of uh, a doc, kind of putting together a documentary product uh, project mm-hmm. based on uh, his life that's using the uh, audio book on tape he made of his autobiography as mm-hmm. the narration bit and that's something we're really excited about cool and, and we hadn't really thought about that before until a few months ago so yeah i've been spending a lot of time examining him and how i remember him and uh, all the facets you know uh, he was I mean, simply put, he was the smartest guy in the room always. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, he was truly, truly brilliant, you know, so brilliant, so elevated with his just, you know, his cognitive capacity, his cognitive ability to take a thought and run with it and sort of look at every angle and every permutation of that thought and that idea that, you know, it was very hard for people to keep up with him. So he didn't really have too many close friends, I would say, Mm -hmm. and he had some. But, you know, he wasn't like that kind of guy. He didn't really like have buddies, you know, he he hung out with, you know, um, because he was just lost in his work. He was lost in the ideas. Um, You know, so he was incredibly driven, incredibly kind of self-aware of what he was doing, which I found to be a very, which I'm finding to be a really fascinating little aspect of him. I mean, he was really self-aware of the work he was doing and why it was important. Mm-hmm. You know, not too many people are, you know, you kind of do your work and, you know, maybe you're proud of it. Maybe you're not, but you're not really looking at your legacy or, but he was really aware of, of what, of what he was trying to do. Uh, so he, his life was his work. You know, it's incre- He had an incredible work ethic. Um, incredible dis- discipline. You know, he was born in 1920. Mm-hmm. And from 1920 until 1960, you know, he was an academic. He went to West Point. You know, so he had a little military, uh, dabbled in the military for a second, you know, got his PhD. Uh, you know, was at UC Berkeley and then and then at Harvard. You know, so from his first 40 years, he was really, you know, a driven, disciplined somewhat straight-laced academic and he, then he
0: took psychedelics
1: then he took psychedelics <laughs> and the whole world just blew really up opened up yeah i mean his i mean simultaneously a lot of things happened i mean his whole mind opened up and his whole you know relationship with his own ego opened up but the world was also changing sure. at the same time so it was kind of like this beautiful yeah he was a perfect storm what was happening yeah yeah
0: yeah yeah that's um <clears throat> Did you guys, you know, was that something that was discussed openly when you were young? You know, I mean, I think there's, did he, Why? Like, at what age did he start talking to you about psychedelics?
1: And what age did you guys start doing them together? <laughs> he started talking to me about psychedelics when he knew I was doing them and I was too young to be doing them. <laughs> <laughs> so how young was that? About 14. <laughs> about 14. Uh-huh. Uh, I, I was a deadhead you know, and he's really, really immersed in Grateful Dead culture. And, you know, at that time with that, that's what came with it. But yeah, I always like to make clear and really point out that he was not for indiscriminate youth use. I mean, he really was like, you're too young, you know, wait, you'll understand when you're older, wait till your mind is a little bit more solid, wait till your body has, you know, gone through all of its transformations, Mm -hmm. so on and so forth. But you know the wheels kind of fell off on that until i was about 16 mm-hmm. and then we we had a relationship yeah in the psychedelic world together yeah
0: that must that's something that you know i've, I've been fortunate enough to share with my parents as well oh, and so it's, cool it's pretty special it when really you get is. to cross those generational gaps and you know enter that space yes. with your family you know and it's it uh, i remember doing ayahuasca the first time with my mom and, oh wow you know seeing her across there and it's just a wild it's a wild experience when you get to you get to do that and it really feels like that's the way it should be you know like this should be a ritual that's brought into the family you know like father and son mother and daughter you know like let's go experience this together the whole family together you know like the whole family taking mdma together the night before thanksgiving i mean to be a hell of a better <laughs> turkey day you know plus you got the 5htp from the turkey and the gravy you're replenishing your brain on the backside i'm calling it out family tradition coming on yes. mdma ceremony night before thanksgiving well, game it, changer and
1: and it was i mean this was a, a tribal ritual that everyone in the tribe took took part in right yeah. when we were in kind of tribal cultures and you know everybody everybody did it you know your dad might have been the shaman of the village who kn- who knows <laughs> you mm-hmm. know but it was something that was that was brought in right at a at an early age were your parents um did they grow up counterculture at all? Or? not
0: really so my dad actually you know he was the one who was into it first and he um he met stan groff early on and he was just trying to basically solve his own mental problems you know this was a way of him trying to get out of the hell that he'd created in his own mind and he tried a bunch of different things from the breath work to primal therapy to traditional therapy to everything and eventually psychedelic therapy was the thing that kind of cracked the nut and really opened him up and um so he uh he eventually then set up something where i could go on my own vision quest when i was out of high school so i didn't do it with him the first time but you know it was like a traditional vision quest psilocybin out in the mountains and that was that was where my whole world kind of opened up and um you know thinking back like i actually don't think i ever did psychedelics with my dad but we would talk about them all the time and we did all that we did all of them separately (laughs) but um but never never together which is which is kind of interesting it's kind of a shame that we never really got to drop into that space together but i have with my mom and that was pretty special and then my younger sister as well who was in the ayahuasca documentary that i filmed and that was incredibly
1: special too Amazing. Yeah. And this is, I'm just so glad to hear stories like this because this is it's seeing the fabric change and, you know, the stigma and sort of the preconceived. Well, and also the generation gap is mm-hmm. is shrinking, you know, I mean, the generation gap in the 60s, you know, that's why a huge reason why the 60s was so powerful because it was so different than the 50s, yeah. you know, and if you were a hippie, you know, 18 year old, 16 year old kid in 1967, your parents were world war ii generation you know white picket fence they didn't under you know so that it was such a huge disparity now that it's shrinking i mean you know sort of reigniting these traditions like that uh super super important yeah and i see this actually happening quite a bit with people in my generation
0: and even a little bit younger where they're now armed with the research research coming out of places like maps and hefter and they're going back to their parents and saying hey i know you heard a bunch of shit about psychedelics (laughs) not true here's the research here's the results here's the phase two clinical trials let's try this again and and sometimes expression is like there's a little bit of fear like well you know i don't know getting old i don't know if my heart can take it or there's a few things like that but but more and more i'm hearing people are like all right screw it (laughs) like let's give it a go you know like that was an amazing experience for me back then but then you know somehow they allowed fear and comfort and all these different things to steer them away from that path and now i think our generation is kind of helping steer them back into it and, and great books like michael Pollan's book how to change your mind you know you read yep. that book and you really start to understand all right this is not the picture that has been painted right in the culture and um and Everyth- that's really starting to shift
1: yeah everything you know is wrong for sure yeah michael's book. you know it's number three on the new york times bestseller list. he's yeah. a mo- yeah he's a monster it, it's just amazing it's amazing yeah yeah it, it really is and i mean you know we've known this all along you know well and i've known after this
0: i along. did my first psychedelic, I, like, I didn't know shit before i did it you know what i mean like it's one of these things like you got to feel it and taste it and touch it you do to you do. really know it but it's great that we have the research now because that's something that can help you know help people when they're ready yeah really consider it
1: yeah i mean the experiential you know the experiment experiential quality is of course the most important thing you yeah know, really knowing it and tasting it and feeling it and stuff like that It'd
0: like to be like trying to comment on sex having never had sex right you know what i mean it's like sure. everybody trying to comment on psychedelics it's the funniest when like like neuroscientists and stuff for commenting on psychedelics who've never taken it i'm like <laughs> stop <laughs> just stop
1: like what are you doing this is insane take it first and then i'll listen to you it's funny i've i've always kind of found and thought that there really haven't been too many people to articulate the psychedelic experience in its like complete glory you know like i think that's what made terence mckenna so amazing yeah Yeah. he could articulate the unarticulatable
0: (laughs) talk about the ineffable
1: talk about the ineffable talk about that space that goes beyond language you know no question and yeah today with all of this data at hand and all of this great work that's being done it's i mean i can't believe it i'm stunned mm-hmm. yeah i mean it's by far the you know the richest you know most uh you know diverse and uh, fertile time in my lifetime
0: yep and it couldn't come a minute too soon. <laughs> couldn't come a minute too soon you know i mean this is now it really feels like we need major allies to shift opinion and it's not just one side of the political spectrum or the other side everybody is creating factions and fighting each other and lobbying hate back and forth and it's this and fear and hate and fear and this this division this false separation that gets immediately collapsed the moment you take a heart opening psychedelic like mdma or you know consciousness expanding psychedelic like ayahuasca or or bright lsd or psilocybin like all of these things all of it all just collapses and fades away and you get back to that substrate of love and connection yes. that is the baseline of all humanity and you don't yeah. care about your political identity and your social identity right. this is a fellow human living on planet earth so you're team human team earth yes. team animal let's go <laughs> you know and that's exactly what we need
1: and the world is the world is getting smaller yeah. it is you know we have to understand these core concepts these core threads that connect us and bind us and uh, you know, will continue to shape us. And, you know, even and what's so great about the data in this called the shifting of culture to in the psychedelic community is, is even if you are on the other side of the fence, I'm just playing devil's advocate. It's so cool to see a lot of people sort of like acquiescing to, well, we have much bigger problems to deal with, like fighting a war on drugs that includes psilocybin and LSD. It's just... I mean, we have so many bigger problems to <laughs> to deal with. So it's cool to see, you know, I mean the cannabis and you know, I really do think cannabis in California is, you know, the first major, major step. Yeah. In, you know, even people on the other side of the fence going, Okay, you know, we have much bigger issues. Let's move on. Right. Safety, efficacy, you know, set and setting, instructions, data. Let's move on. Yeah yeah there's definitely that feeling
0: and then there's but there's still some of those people who know that they're you know they've (laughs) built this false world of their shadow and their ego and they'll be found out (laughs) they will man and it's and i think it's they're they're regulating against their own fear you know i think a lot of people hypothesize this great conspiracy like they're trying to keep culture down and of course there's probably a little bit of that you know and if you look at kind of some of the marijuana laws in the 60s and the voting rights for african-americans there's some fuckery going on sure Around there but i think for the most part people are scared of psychedelics yeah and how do you keep those from even being an option well you regulate against them you know you support all the things that would make them impossible for you to even have the option to do them yeah you know so you're just pushing them away as, as much as you can and i really think that's what's going on you know people are afraid that if this is an option maybe they'll have to look at their own shit
1: <laughs> i mean nixon called my dad the most dangerous man in america i mean that's you it's like you can't even trying to get your head around something. did your dad have a good laugh <laughs> i mean it might have been kind of stressful Yeah, it's, it's kind of stressful of- i mean he went to prison and had to deal with all of that and escaped and came back and i mean it was quite a bit of a headache <laughs> but it just it supports i mean the, well, the probably fear. He's laughing now yeah exactly i mean nixon's fear of counterculture of independent thinking of self-actualization of millions of people you know taking something that could question this false reality that you know they're piecing together around us was legitimate that and was piecing unreal. together
0: himself i mean you look at somebody who needs to do psychedelics more than anybody it's that fucker it sure is. like for sure needed it the most yeah so he's going
1: to be the most vehemently opposed to it the person who needs it the most you know yeah well it's interesting i mean not to get into a policy de- discussion here but so far so good with this administration and the current psychedelic work weird 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 and and yeah great it's like, it's like i was nervous
0: yeah it's like they just yeah. don't give any fucks about it yeah they it's not like particularly pro they'd rather build the wall or yeah. yeah exactly <laughs> they'd, rather just, <laughs> they'd rather just spew nonsense about nonsense and and yeah. figure it out from there but it, yeah that's been one of the that's been one of the kind of weird kind of oh well everything's going ahead really well like talking to maps about the relations with the fda talking to everything that's going on like they're not finding that big external pressure that i think probably a lot of us were like it's going to come you know be ready for it's going to come well it hasn't really come yet you know it's the science is doing running its course and everything is going along as planned and you know people are more worried about you know what gender they're calling themselves and whatever else and just leaving this like the important issues along which is great.
1: Yeah well you know I mean the thing with uh, we have to remember with government and issues that are you know directly related to the government or tangentially related to the government you know 95 percent or I don't know what the number is but 90 95 percent of the government you know these people are career employees they don't come and go with the administrations. You know, so like the people in the FDA, the administration is somewhat irrelevant. You know, they come and go, they come and go. Sure, they could change the direction of it and everything like that, but these are career bureaucrats, you know. And there's enough of them on our side who see this now. (laughs) That's huge. It's huge, yeah. And just seeing what, you know, how some of these veterans are responding to the MDMA work and seeing how cancer patients with end of life anxiety are truly having, you know, real real world breakthroughs i mean you can't argue with that it can't be it can't be
0: underestimated the effect that this is going to have yeah you know and i think people you know generally in the public if you haven't really experienced or been in the room and seen some of this happen yeah i've been fortunate to be in mdma assisted psychotherapy Mm. sessions that are you know they're going on underground now and it's unfortunate but you know when people really need it you know there's a few brave souls who've stepped up and i've been fortunate enough to be invited to go watch in these place and to see it actually happen it's fucking mind-blowing and to see that person go in one person and come out another person i mean i've seen it in ayahuasca ceremonies and different other traditional ceremonies but in that very clinical approach that maps has developed yeah and with very precise milligram dosage and a very precise playlist and a very precise protocol and and to watch that work as well as it does i mean it's probably the most healing and transformative thing i've seen i mean it's amazing just w- tons and tons of weight of childhood abuse and trauma and mm. any kind of PTSD. all of these things just starts pouring out and and going through accessing the the anger and then to the ultimately to the love and the forgiveness and watching this whole arc happen in a day and you know and then come them come out and be like i can't believe this you know i've tried <laughs> everything i've tried emdr i've tried all of the things to try to get to the root of this and this one session did more than the last 20 years of therapy that i've been trying to do
1: it's amazing isn't it so what do you think i mean looking back on it because i do think it's a good case study and discussion worth having it's like so what happened in the 60s that wasn't that was the element or the fabric or the the stitch that wasn't able to sort of transform the world around us because in the 60s you know more people did LSD in a short time period than ever Mm -hmm. before I mean millions and millions and millions of people did LSD you know from 1963 to 1970 like it was just so massive but yet you know it didn't really the whole sort of age of Aquarius the whole you know the whole vision didn't really manifest and I'm I i like just to st- isolate the the discussion to try to find out why what is it that we can learn from that because so we can yeah. do better in this time
0: i mean i i yeah. think rick doblin articulates this a lot when he talks and it's uh probably you know the most valid criticism of your dad's message was yeah. the dropout component yeah and but it that created, was also misunderstood but yeah, yeah. well Yeah, I'd like to hear the your opinion on that. But I I think it was also this, and it wasn't just obviously your dad, but I think there was this idea that we're separate, you know, like this is our team and this is their team. And when you create that sense of tribalism, then it creates conflict between that. And then the stronger tribe will ultimately overrun the other tribe because they won't see you as same. Right. And so it created this environment of tribalism, this kind of idea, like, okay, we're the counterculture, you're the culture we're going to be on other sides of the picket and i think whenever you have that it's going to ultimately resolve with one side overrunning the other one tribe overrunning the other tribe right and it's just the the nature of the the nature of the beast whereas this time what i think is brilliant on the map side is they took they went straight for you know the military the first the the first responders and the troops which is squarely in (laughs) the other camp and it's almost this inarguable population and it's already building those bridges of commonality like hey we're helping the soldiers yes and so it's like it's this kind of thing like oh who's us and who's them is it the soldier well the soldiers are us but then the people helping the soldiers are also us it erases that conversation it erases the conversation so it's all blended and so you can't point to who's who anymore like who am i am i culture account i don't know Right. And who are you? you? know, Like you don't know anymore. And when you don't know anymore, then you can see everybody is same and then you can support
1: the movement. Yeah. I mean, that is a, that is a great point and well articulated. I mean, the us and them mentality of the 60s, of course. I mean, it was an intense time though, for sure. Mm-hmm. Civil rights and the war in Vietnam. And there was, you know, you did have to respond in such a manner. I mean, yeah. you know, I, this isn't my war. I'm not going over to Vietnam to fight yeah. it. You know, so you were them or us, <laughs> whatever it is. Yeah, yeah, it, 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 it's interesting to to see that, but at the same time, it's also such challenging work, and I find it to be challenging work on a personal level and on a, on a psychedelic level and on a spiritual level to remain in that place of, of acceptance and i guess of kind of unconditional love in a way
0: yeah well that's good thing we have the psychedelics to help us get there it is
1: it'd be super hard without it yeah Yeah. it is so hard because you do look at you know say the current administration for a minute and you do like oh my god i mean because they are so different they're so you know antithetical to everything we believe in that it's hard to kind of hold them in this place of compassion (laughs) and we have to you have to we have to i mean it's 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 only love that ends the conflict yeah you know and it's like
0: anytime you're throwing rocks you know you can expect rocks back bigger rocks bigger rocks. Yeah. you know this yeah. is going to be until you really just take a few blows and still show up with love that's the only thing that ends it yeah ever you know so yeah. and that's the real courage that's that's how you look at the people who've really shaped history like gandhi and martin luther king, martin luther and, king yeah. and, and and that's the that's the move you take the blows
1: and you show up still show up in anyway. love and then people stop People stop swinging. I bet right. uh, this documentary, King in the Wilderness. It's an HBO, new HBO documentary called King in the Wilderness. It's about his f- sort of the final years, the final days, and his sort of a his personal kind of state of mind and how things were. Like you know, the night before he died, he gave the speech in Memphis, kind of acknowledging that didn't have li- long. Yeah, that he didn't have long, but he didn't. Just like you were saying, I'm, I'm, I've seen the promised land. You know. Mm-hmm. i may not get there with you but i've seen the promised land and it's going to be okay and just staying in that place and just so heroic yeah so heroic yeah that's that's true courage
0: you know and, and it's the it's thing that it's true courage and
1: it's true believing in your own shit yeah. believing in what you're preaching yeah yeah it's you vibrational know. accord with your message yeah you know
0: like this idea like i'm gonna fight for peace what what do you mean you're gonna fight for peace <laughs> you know like be peace if you want peace right just be peace. draw right. peace to you right as peace if you want peace like you don't go bombing for peace <laughs> like that's just not right. it doesn't work i mean maybe bomb for protection or whatever like i'm not saying never bomb you know like i'm not saying if someone breaks into your house you know you can't defend yourself or whatever there's always going to be circumstances but if you really are about peace you know be peace be peace yes
1: right uh like Gandhi, be the change you want to see in the yeah. world yeah and it's funny you know and i never was this person i never really believed this traditionally and historically in my life but that you know i mean i still believe that psychedelics aren't for everyone you know i agree i agree but at the same time these days i'm kind of shifting more towards the side of like well i don't know i think these guys should you know should yeah open up to it i would you know? say psychedelics aren't for everyone but mdma is an MDMA exception, is an exception <laughs> yeah and i got this from the md from the vets and then you know
0: i really feel like this is a this is a universal human drug yeah like this is the thing that corrects like if you had it would be a real shame if you had to take all the other psychedelics if i but if i could make a trade and say okay all the psychedelics in the world they go away they disappear Mm. but everybody gets access and takes a session of mdma yeah okay i'd cry some tears (laughs) you know letting all my you know favorite teachers go but like that is the one that i think shifts Humankind the most because yeah. it opens the heart, and the heart's where we store all our fear, and it's where we produce all our delusions of separation and it just collapses all of it that it shatters in that really all that yeah. elegant and comfortable way it's not yeah. t- a terrifying reliving of your own death and it doesn't yeah. typically spiral <laughs> you you know off into these strange dimensions where you're talking to someone with an alligator head yeah you know like that can be
1: unnerving It can be unnerving and well, you do see you know people who are really hard you know what we thought were hardwired into cultural differences that were so deep i mean guys who went to war who yeah. wanted to go to war not only went to or who wanted to go to yep. war that was their choice because they believed in yeah there's no draft anymore there's no draft anymore if right. you're at war you wanted to go to war yeah and and so you're really kind of seeing just the fabric of their being changed it's a little bit like the like the astronaut effect you know pretty much uh you know nasa i think a lot kind of keeps a lot of the stories quiet but pretty much you know every astronaut who went up into space you know these guys are military guys fighter pilots and you know and Air Force and stuff like that. And nearly everyone come came back a pacifist, came back, you know, seeing the love. Seeing the need for compassion, seeing the need for tolerance. I wonder if it's just yeah. seeing the earth as one thing, You're just seeing it looking. Down seeing the
0: like earth as one thing and not seeing borders. any dividing lines and borders. borders. And it's you just like that shit. just clouds and ocean and rain and the people and plants and animals that live on this fucking beautiful planet. And it's all us. It's all it's the all same, us. you
1: know. And I just love those stories. Jim Lovell was, you know, his stories are the best about it. I mean, he was really really vocal about it, but I have kind of feeling it's a little the MDMA thing. It's it's similar. It could change the most hardened heart, you know. Yep. The most fear-based, you know, rigid totalitarian heart that you thought could not be ripped open. It could yep. change it.
0: I mean, like trump might need like a 350 milligram
1: <laughs> dose but like and maybe more than one dose <laughs> but at
0: three i man, i'd love to see that dude on 350 milligrams and just give him a hug <laughs> Just give him a big old hug i mean it's 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 an irresistible thing and it'd be a you know it comes with the the pain of reconciliation but it's it you're able to look at your shit in such a loving way yeah you know like in such a way that it doesn't hurt so much you know it's not you just have that that overwhelming feeling of positivity and love and safety and security and you're identified as the highest version of yourself and looking back you're like oh man look at look at me look what i did oh poor guy or yeah. you know and you just see it from a different perspective
1: yeah you see yourself from a different all those yeah. mistakes you make in life all you know all those things you could just have so much compassion for it so where does that leave us with the recreational issue so i'm just finding this a lot i mean i think the most I don't know if it's the most common correspondence I get from doing the maps podcast, but are people asking about, well, where does the recreational discussion lie now? Mm -hmm. Because we're seeing the medical frontiers. They're amazing. There's no question. But, you know, the cognitive liberty discussion hasn't really been had yet because it's probably too soon. You know, the phase three trials aren't done yet. But, we have to start kind of developing a position on it well ultimately yeah. regulating
0: against the sovereignty of someone to modulate their own consciousness is madness it's madness it's madness you know and i think I mean, no one yeah. elucidates that better than graham hancock you hear him yeah. go on a little rant about yeah. the sovereignty of your consciousness and yeah. it is not possible that we can have a awakened society in which we throw people in cages for modulating their own thoughts and emotions <laughs> yes. like what the fuck are you talking about you know like we'll look back at that and it'll be as barbaric yeah. as you know shock therapy yeah and lobotomies where they stick an ice pick and you know through people's brain or like no. you know institutional racism or like all these things all that it, were like yeah. whoa this that was barbaric did we really do that and we'll think back to throwing people in cages for doing something to their
1: own self well and not not only that but there's also you know it's not consistent i mean there is you can't say there's a war on drugs when you can go buy jack daniels and get a prescription for oxycontin you <laughs> right. know i mean the biggest <laughs> epidemic in america right now is a legal drug it's a yeah. prescription drug so yeah. the modulating your consciousness it's only on some drugs it's only on some things right. you know so it's, there's no it, consistent discussion sense. it makes no, sense. It it makes no makes sense. Yeah. sense
0: so ultimately it has to lead to legalization but i think you know i'm not even that stressed about that because once we have doctors and practitioners able to able to provide it and i I mean this is going to be and the way that it's going to come about you know it's just going to be rad there's going to be places on the lake and places in the mountains and places in the desert and like all of these incredible experiential opportunities to go do this medicine in a guided setting because it's in the guided setting that it's really powerful anyways like I've done MDMA quite a few times. On, my own, you know. <laughs> yeah, fuck, it's fun, whatever. But it's not the same as a session with the blindfold and the headphones and it's the, true and guided. It's like a fraction because you're perceiving everything internally instead yeah. of the externally instead of perceiving everything internally. It's true, and it's uh, you know, there's other applications. I think in couples therapy, it can be incredible and. And all, but all these things will start to develop and then the off-label practices and yeah. you know relationship counseling where it's not just i mean that's originally where mdma started right yeah. you know like that's going to come back online and so all i'm just new, so excited about that
1: all the new professions too i mean there's now there's going to be a legitimate specialized form of psychotherapy around, around psychedelic psychotherapy you know i mean institutions are going to start including that as a specialized field yeah that is so cool So cool. That is so cool. I mean, you know, imagine you're going for your PhD, you don't know what to specialize in. Oh, maybe I'm thinking of, you know, Jungian, you know, depth psychology. Oh, psychedelic therapy, huh? Interesting, (laughs) you know, I just, that is just, that's an amazing, amazing thing to see. It's incredible. And to think that it's so
0: close. You know that it's potentially 2021 2022 somewhere around there it, I mean, it is so
1: close but the reason i asked the question about the cognitive lib in the, the recreational discussion is because even if we get to that place and we will you know where therapeutic mdma sessions are legal and possible you aren't gonna that's not gonna eliminate you know the you know all of that sure. so You know especially with mdma you know the purity thing is such an issue for me you know every time i hear a horror story about mdma it's always a purity thing you know nobody knows what they're taking so just finding ways to alleviate that yeah because that's and that's
0: ultimately you know legalization does a hell of a job alleviating that yeah you know like who's smoking fake weed now nobody's smoking fake weed why because you can go to the store and get good ass weed you don't smoke fake weed anymore there's no market for it you know <laughs> like it's nah, no market you, for know, you know anymore. yeah you know when there's going to be no more bath salts when you can get mdma <laughs> you know like that's when bath salts go away entirely there's like, not even swag anymore is there <laughs> no, so I don't, no no It's it just fucking exist, it? <laughs> great great kind ass bud everywhere it smells like fucking tangerines or grapes or skunks i don't know
1: it's god amazing damn is it strong <laughs> man i i don't smoke grass anymore but you know the last time i did i was that guy i officially became that guy you know where it's, oh my god back when i was your age jesus that was I mean, we, we were so fucking strong you know yeah. roll a joint we'd smoke the whole thing now yeah. it's a oh, <laughs> <laughs> i became that guy it's so funny but yeah funny. i just you know the the purity and we're just regulating that's a really important topic for me and i just want to make sure that the two worlds are still talking to each other yeah. yeah yeah
0: no i i agree with that and i think really this this whole abstinence concept you know where like let's just pretend it's not happening let's pretend the kids aren't gonna fuck so let's not yeah. teach them anything about sex yeah you know like that has been proven over and over to be a failure yeah so like what needs to happen is to just (laughs) understand that people are gonna fuck and they're gonna do drugs yes so let's talk to them about fucking and doing drugs and let's really educate them with people who aren't like all stiff and have never really done either like i don't want to learn how to fucking do drugs from my fucking school teacher i want to learn how to do that from an expert right you know like someone who's really gotten in there in the shit you know and like knows what knows what's up like all right here's where you got to look out for dehydration here's the things that do not mix do not do these things in in combination here's the things if you must you could probably mix them probably not the wisest idea like some real talk you know it's like some real talk about what to do like okay here's what you do here's how you know if it's real Here's how you know if it's not real you know here's what you're going to expect for the hangover here's what you're going to expect for this this is how to do it safely like some real talk you know and just collapse all of this we better not talk about it it's because it's going to do it no it's not you yeah. know just not talking about it just makes people do it worse
1: yeah and it makes people yeah, and, and statistically proven too it makes people do it worse but it also makes a large portion of the population want to do it yeah because you're telling them not to yeah I mean, you're seeing what's going on in Portugal you know the second that they de- decriminalized everything you know I mean not the second but over the course of however many years or months the overall consumption of narcotics went down yeah yeah
0: guess who drinks the most from ages 18 to 21 in the world i don't know the only country that's illegal to drink until you're 21 <laughs> us right we're fucking bitch drinking machines tell
1: someone not to do it you know yeah you know, tell Tell, tell me again
0: it. yeah tell me again i'm gonna drink that whole fucking 24 pack and smash it on my head yeah. you know like <laughs> that's what i'm gonna do you dummy <laughs> you know it just doesn't work we're not pragmatic with these rules and these laws that we make we're not actually doing the most good we're just pretending that we have the best intentions well that's the road to hell you know i mean that aphorism is true the road to hell is paved with good intentions (laughs) because it is we're just creating hell
1: we're creating hell and we're creating just a system of people who not wanting to talk about difficult issues
0: and also don't trust the government don't trust the police like
1: people hate you know like
0: there's this natural feeling of like oh fuck the cops because the cops have to enforce a bunch of stupid laws because they're running around chasing me in the woods as i'm trying to drink from my keg in high school so like i fucking hate yeah. the cops from the start yeah you know and I, and like that shouldn't be it yeah because you know be what it. you know when you love the cops when they're when you're actually in danger yeah you know like we got our house robbed when we were in california like they tried to huh. steal some equipment from our backyard and it was fucking scary and when we saw those blue and reds we we're like woohoo thank oh, wow. god the fucking police are here yeah right and that's how it should be and then it's like oh my god i feel safe now that you're here Yeah, and that's the feeling we should have to the police but when they have to enforce these crazy laws and trying to bust us for having weed and you know drinking when we're 19 years old and you know busting in our house for having fun like
1: yeah then it creates this antagonistic relationship with authority yeah and that's another i think important part of what we were talking about earlier about the erasing eroding the us and them culture yeah you know because i'm i'm the first to admit still when i see a cop car bill pull up behind me i mean yeah, it, it yeah. all flashes through my head <laughs> totally. everything that happened in the past you know it's like oh my god the fucking you know and i <laughs> and i don't want to i don't want to live in a world like that no you don't want to live in this this totalitarian no it should be like oh sweet the cops are here yeah you know like well oh, i love the cops or or that they're at least oh well, man i mean you're you're such an optimist i mean that's awesome but at least hey they're not bad people it's not the pigs it's yeah like, it's going to be okay you know,
0: it should be like you know, like if you're in a nightclub and like your homie who's a great fighter shows up, you know, and like he's on your team, and you're just like, ah, <laughs> sweet, like I got one of my boys here now, like I, we got the good guys here, yeah, like that's ultimately what it should be, you know, because and it should be this, and I think it's just create again, it's that that kind of factioning, you know, yeah. th- cops seeing everybody as a criminal because that's what they're trained to do, right. they're trained to find you know just look and perceive the world as everybody and my stepdad was a cop and he talks Mm. about this too like you're literally trained to see everyone as a criminal Mm. and figure out how they're being a criminal and what they're doing and and that's their lens of perception so as they look at you through that lens of perception you're reading that and you're like what are you you doing man i'm fucking just Mm. being me and then you're looking at them as as the prosecutor or persecutor and judge and it's this weird it's this weird dynamic that ultimately is unhealthy.
1: Yeah, I used to know somebody who was um, an on-site staff uh, therapist psychologist for the Los, Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department. He worked in the jails as a therapist for the deputies, not for the inmates, for the deputies. And as much as he liked his job and helped, you know, helped really helped a lot of people, he did kind of have the feeling that while well, these guys and the criminals and the inmates are basically the same person one just happens to be on the other side of the fence yeah you know total like indiscriminate karma you know but they're kind of of the same makeup you know looking for trouble looking to be the man looking to Mm -hmm. beat down on someone they just get to do it with a badge (laughs) you know yeah i mean
0: if you were gonna if you were in a smaller if you were in a smaller tribal environment you know like the warriors who would be charged with enforcing you know certain laws like you're stoked Mm. when they're around right you know like you're you're just stoked right and that's i think the way the way it should be you know and i think it's very rare and how Mm. toxic for these police officers and military and people that they so rarely get to be the hero you know because i think a lot of it you know maybe there are some drives to power and drives you know some other egoic kind of darker side motivations but i think most of the time people who sign up to be cops or soldiers they just want to be a hero yeah. they're just trying to be a hero yeah. you know but instead the wars that they're put in and the situations that they're put in and, and the laws that they have to enforce they're not able to be a hero because they're fucking with normal people
1: and they do i do believe that they do want to do good you i know? I really I th- believe i that. think so and i think it's the same with politicians there are a lot of people who go into politics who genuinely think genuinely think you know i can make a difference here then they just get sucked up into the system and then yeah they lose that really really quick wow i'm so biased because like i was just on this whole
0: tirade about how uh, how cops and military or have that heroic mentality you mentioned politicians i'm like fucking bloodsuckers you know i go immediately immediately judgmental i I like immediately it's funny
1: i heard the story on npr i can't remember if they were just talking about a specific place or if it was in general but that um gearing up in the midterms for these elections coming up in in November there are more people under the age of 35 running for congress than ever before mm. you know there that's are, cool yeah i mean there are millennials who are genu- genuinely hopeful you know who aren't you know they're not come they don't come from the sponsored by you know exxon yeah. camp you know what yeah. i mean but it's you know, I just love this discussion because it really has to, it redefines our idea of counterculture. You know, I consider myself to be a member of the counterculture and just the word counterculture right. means the opposed other to. culture, yeah. the opposed to, anti-authoritarian. You know, you are the counter, you are against the grain and anything that you look at as a source of authoritarianism is automatically, you know, that's the culture. And so you're the counterculture and just erasing that whole idea it doesn't have to be that way agreed Agreed. yeah it's and i think the same in politics i know yeah no you're right (laughs) you're right
0: and and that's why it was interesting for me to catch my own bias there and i think that that bias has just come from you know come from just being repeatedly disappointed it's i know you know and it's just that that kind of feeling like fuck like i'm so team people um and like to see that politics has really let people down Mm. pretty much every step (laughs) you know it's like not every step in recent history every step in
1: recent yeah that's why i'm still kind of a a believer it's not a very popular belief and um but i'm kind of a believer in in policy i'm a big uh, scholar of the american revolution and and you know the original ideas behind you know you see
0: uh the play hamilton i did it's fucking incredible so great it's
1: so great amazing i mean i still yeah. listen to that soundtrack and get fired up so i guess if i go back far enough yeah, if you go back far enough i yeah. mean those guys you know with all of their problems aside obviously you know i mean you can't ignore you know the low-hanging fruit of the s- slavery and stuff like that but you know at that time you know it was an emperor of china a king of france a king of england you know a shogun of japan you know, King of Spain, and these guys really wanted to disrupt the whole system Mm -hmm. because they saw the monarchy, you know, and just, you know, the pinheaded monarchy as the ultimate form of tyranny. Yeah. You know, and so the idea of America, you know, so, I mean, one could make a case that America is a failed state because we have not lived up to that at all, you know. The story isn't done yet. But the story's not done but there's enough elasticity within the structure of america to redefine our story
0: and you know what's interesting looking forward if i put on my optimistic lens towards politics i think one of the reasons that politics has been so shitty is it's been so steered and controlled by mainstream media you know because like the ability like what the media will show is the debate you know where they select two people and just prop up just these are the two parts it kind of creates this lack of competition that's you know and i think and i think that's starting to shift because media is being decentralized right now and i think there's room for some people to have massive like youtube campaigns and youtube debates and and disrupt this kind of what's on cnn are our choices kind of mentality yeah. and i think when that happens and i think And third party candidates become viable, and then other people become viable, and people start to lose the identities. And hopefully, this happens where they start to lose the identities of Republican and Democrat and just look at the people and the policies that they support rather than blue and red and elephants and donkeys or whatever the fuck symbols people want to have about themselves.
1: (laughs) Donkeys and (laughs) elephants and shit.
0: Yeah. And just then, then at that point, like, all right, maybe we can get some
1: real solid people in there. And I think we will. I mean, I think, you know, using the media, I mean, it is. I was surprised in the last election how much influence the mainstream media still had. That still kind of, maybe I'm I'm naive, but I was I was surprised that yeah. you know CNN still had that much pull. You know, the New but York that's Times on still, the, It's on the decline. It is on the decline. But I had already thought it was on the decline, and I there will be a candidate in some form or another. Maybe it's not presidential, but who will fuck all of that podcasts only youtube campaigns yeah, only totally that's it i'm going on aubrey marcus's show <laughs> joe rogan's show and that's it that's our that's our funnel and yeah and you talk to the people and if you do the numbers it adds up i mean you can reach just as many eyeballs agreed i agreed. mean yeah. and that,
0: that's coming you know what you've made me optimistic about politics here, Zach. <laughs> look at you look at you go that's like the last fucking uh. bastion of negativity in my fucking mind
1: and there it is now okay. i'm optimistic again well. <laughs> i'm yeah, i'm still i'm a, i'm an opti- optimist in that uh in that arena you know mainly for the reason that you know all of this data that we get thrown at us around like um polling especially around polling you know people who support the current administration that is not the majority of the country They are just centralized while mobilized. They have one television network that is their propaganda channel. They are, they're, they're on point. Their message is unified. So they are a very powerful silent minority, but they all vote. They all get together. Whereas in the schisms of all the other cultures, you know, there were 90 million people who could have voted who didn't on the last election, 90 million. I mean, that's such a huge number. So, the majority of our country it's you know it's looking for a voice it's looking for well, it. And it just also the other problem
0: it. is like you want those 90 million to vote well don't have them vote against somebody have them vote for, for somebody. somebody yeah they're right? looking Cause, like, for. Because like everybody was voting against somebody yeah in this election it's like you're either against trump or you're against hillary yeah. like who's voting for anybody like nobody people yeah, were the, right. people were voting for bernie but he didn't fucking make it but he, but he, didn't he was make like it. the only person that people are actually voting for yeah, so. and, I, and I think that's the problem. Like you want to get people out of their ass, like, all right, give them something to get fucking inspired about.
1: That is the problem. And looking for a centralized message that can inspire, you know, this group this disenfranchised fucking group. maybe it's psychedelic yeah live maybe camera live cameras as our politician does ayahuasca <laughs> that know? could be it man.
0: like you want some transparency, you want to see this dude like let's see that could let's be see it. look yep. in the fucking mirror for 20 look in the camera for 24 hours on a boga <laughs> just like they do for their ritual full 24 <laughs> hour boga live streaming questions you get to ask them whatever the fuck you want like all right you want to put somebody through the test you want to trust them after that like all right there we go That is awesome.
1: (laughs) Maybe that will be the
0: disruptive thing. Maybe somebody's like, "Listen, I'm going to do the most intense psychedelic possible in the traditional buiti ritual, where you look in the mirror, and I'm going to look right in the camera, and I'm going to field live questions. (laughs) Like, here we go. Ask me anything. Ask me anything. Nothing
1: is off limits.
0: (laughs) Nothing is off limits. You know. And then see. (laughs) (laughs) You know. Can you imagine that? If like one of the legit candidates just decided to do that, everybody would fucking tune in. Down there in Gabon, just just in Gabon on Wi-Fi, just like here I am. Let's go. <laughs> I mean, something like that could could shift could shift everything.
1: It could shift everything. You know, and, and I'm still that could shift everything. And I'm still looking and I'm still a believer in that there could be something that could really inspire the people on, you know, one big centralized like in the 60s, you know, the kids got really inspired. Because yeah. there's, you know, I mean, the Beatles and are pretty inspiring. Bob Dylan, Jimi Hendrix are pretty fucking mind blowing. You know what I mean? Like, who's going to be that today?
0: Twenty One Savage. Uh, <laughs> Do you no. even know who that is? No, <laughs> he's a rapper. I like okay. surfing to his music, but he's not going to probably be inspiring to the people. <laughs> Raps mostly about uh, M's in his bank account. And is it you know, good? It's good music. I mean. I like it for what it is i like it for what it is but they but you're right there's not like you yeah. know a really strong but you get you get like anomalous kind of messages that come through and uh childish is, gambino put out a fucking great song exactly insane, that video is, yeah
1: yeah exactly so you'll get something like yeah. that
0: that'll get people like
1: whoa when i watched that video it it for the first time it shows a lot about where my head is at these days but it already had 265 million views right like oh shit i'm a little late to this <laughs> yeah 265 million views i mean that is great, po- art and, yeah, it is and art. politics and that's
0: you know that's the beautiful thing about someone who can take a stage like that and and make something significant and then it's just pointing that towards instead of just pointing at the pointing at the shit actually draw people to the light and i think that's what that's what's missing
1: did you say you listen to music when you surf yeah you do
0: on behind the boat like wake surf oh
1: yeah. wake surfing okay yeah because yeah. you live in texas i right. live in texas right wake so we surfing. make our own waves and right. surf surf them. Well, where's the surf ranch where's kelly slater's surf ranch that's thing? a that's like in the middle of
0: california out here oh i thought it was in texas we have a surf ranch in texas we have two
1: surf ranches in
0: texas um that are pretty fucking dope but they're still not as cool as surfing
1: behind the boat because then you get your
0: music and you get uh, down and it's it's a vibe
1: okay yeah i mean kelly i was just saw something on kelly slater's you know that surf ranch i thought it was in texas or something no that's no. a great
0: wave though it's like ten thousand dollars to go surf it though Oh, is it it's like crazy but yeah it's one of the they had a surf uh competition there
1: yeah right like a full Is it a pro surf competition? It's the perfect wave. So, as a surfer, do you think this is a good thing? Because I have always interpreted surfing as, you know, you're looking for that perfect wave. And when you find that perfect wave, when you get it and wherever break you're going to, then it's that sort of part of the rush. And that's part of the experience is your relationship with, you Mm -hmm. know, Mother Nature. So, if you're just going to this ranch and you push a button, you get the perfect wave. I know the sport is still, you know, cool and the skill on that wave is still cool but i don't know and i'm a technologist i'm a total i think you got to
0: look at these as two different things i think you look at like you know how what's going to preclude you from ever getting the perfect wave not knowing how to fucking surf right and you just get chundered in the white water on the what could have been the perfect wave so use these as fun ways to practice like hone your game get better and have like reps because those waves come every two minutes so you yeah. just get reps stand up stand up stand up stand up right. carve stand up carve right. you know like that's what you get to practice and then if you do enjoy the spiritual element of being in the ocean and being connected and waiting for that that perfect ride and that that experience that can only come you know as this combination of being tuned into yeah. nature herself like you'll be more equipped and you'll be better sure. equipped to do that yeah so i think you just got to look at them separate
1: because wiping out does suck yeah <laughs> on a big wave yeah a lot for sure <laughs> for sure especially if it's a reef break yeah wait so you wake board is that wake surf wake surf mm-hmm. so wait you got to come out to austin man okay yeah. so you basically you
0: get started on a rope okay and then the wave is going and then you throw the rope in the boat so you're just on the board surfing the wave behind the boat going about 11 miles an hour
1: oh okay cool
0: and you throw the rope back so how long does how long is your ride as long as you want you can ride infinitely you could ride 30 minutes
1: oh wow <laughs> yeah because
0: oh, wow. the momentum okay. of going downhill on the wave yeah. keeps you at speed and then you can carve and do turns and i can't do 360s or anything but you can do little jumps and uh, you know it's really fucking
1: and fun. you're on like on a short board
0: yeah it's kind of like a it's a very short surfboard yeah okay. more like a wake surf I've gotta check this out. i mean i've water
1: skied but i've never done this that sounds pretty cool mm-hmm. i like it yeah it's dope <laughs> it's dope but i i think
0: you know i think you're right i think now is that childish Gambino song was like a good it's like a good little kind of like it made huh, me feel good huh it did. this is this is yeah. fucking interesting here you know what i mean because yeah. this reached mass mass culture yeah. and like I, like i was saying i think the thing is like that pointed out a lot of the shadow yeah but the thing that, if you can do that and then point to the light as well, yeah. you know, like really get people feeling positive, not just being like, yeah, it's fucked up. Right. You know, like that's got to give solutions. Exactly. You and that's the, yeah. that's the last piece that's really missing, I think, and, and to a certain degree. And there are some really conscious musicians that are putting out some interesting messages, like Nako yeah. Bear, for example. No, and there the are. Different, yeah, and and like they're Nake. starting to gain in, in popularity. But I think to really crack that full mainstream, I think getting like hip hop and rock and some other people involved is going to be,
1: that'll be really interesting. But it's a, it's such a different world now. And, you know, media fragmentation, I mean, it's, it's sort of a, a weird argument to make being someone, you know, I'm a technologist and I worked in the music business for years as well, but there was something to be said about the old way of putting out records because, you know, there were only a few touch points. So if something was really good, like everyone would know. It's not so easy these days. You know, I know the Be Cambino thing is is a good example, but somebody could put out a really great album and nobody knows because there's no way to get it. You know, how are you gonna find out? Like when, you know, new Led Zeppelin album came out and the new Steely Dan album came out of the new NBA record came out. I mean, yeah. it was fucking but everywhere. But there was also Dude, people was who just... on point couldn't get yeah. a voice at all like yeah. you watch that that's, documentary that's sugar man side. yeah you yeah. know yeah.
0: Like, homie was fucking killing it yeah like his music There's was incredible too. soulful mm-hmm. and just the record labels are like nah yeah There's, and then of course so he winds up as the hero in south africa oddly enough but great documentary for anybody interested it's called sugar man but
1: it's amazing um yeah There's it's that's just that a, side too. No that's no doubt. the
0: other i mean at least this has a little bit more of this egalitarian thing where at least they got a shot you know where like things are showing up in spotify and new artists are getting listens and stuff is starting to catch or like youtube is starting to will start to catch if you put it off
1: i'm just want to make sure we catch you know the next jimi hendrix doesn't go unnoticed you know what i mean yeah because there's some incredibly talented
0: artists that you're like how are you not famous (laughs) you know i've definitely seen that when i go to austin
1: yeah when i yeah when i go to austin some of those bars there i'm I'm like how are you guys what the hell how come i've never heard of you (laughs) they're so good (laughs) right so, parting words, yeah, man. No, talk to the people, Zach parting words, um, set and setting, mm-hmm. vote, even if it kills you, do it, you gotta vote, it's incremental, um, find a good new band, let everyone <laughs> know about it, yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah that's that's my issue with with music it's like i need people to you know i'm not sure where to go anymore these days and i've become that guy again listening to old stuff you know so set and setting vote find a good new band let people know people hit people
0: hit up zach with the new new <laughs> get them get them get keen the on new that shit, new, what's the new shit yeah they'll come back if you'll be, be listening to all kinds of new albums
1: <laughs> and listen to the maps podcast and my totally. podcast too.
0: and support maps
1: yeah, yeah 100 cool. percent been a pleasure man yeah it's fun thanks good to
0: have you on thanks brother see you later everybody peace i hope this podcast tickled your psychedelic rainbow unicorn horn and if it did please check out maps.org or my campaign the cure is near to really drop into the science about what these revolutionary times are all about and what these great organizations like maps and hefter and usona are really trying to push forward so i encourage you guys to do a little research And if you have a little extra cheddar and you don't need it for your sandwich, give it to Maps. That's probably the best place and the best thing that you can do with any extra charitable contribution that at least I can see in the world right now. Thanks for tuning in. As always, we love the reviews. We love the comments. We love the support. We love it when you share it with your friends and spread the message and get this movement rolling. So thank you so much, fam. You guys are the best. I enjoyed running into so many of you guys out here in Venice as well. So Um, obviously you guys are super holding it down in the west side of california that's awesome and i will see you back out here soon much love